Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Senator Kamala Harris. She's a Democrat from California, first elected to the Senate in 2016 after 20 years as a prosecutor, including stints as the District Attorney for San Francisco and Attorney General of California. And Senator Harris has also been laying the groundwork for a run for the White House. It is great to have you with us on this special holiday. Do you have an announcement you'd like to make? I am running for President of the United States. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. You, you mentioned 20 years, I mean, we mentioned 20 years as a prosecutor. If you win, yes. you're going to be commander-in-chief. Yes. What qualifies you to be commander-in-chief? Well, first of all, let me just say I love my country. I love my country. And this is a moment in time that I, I feel a sense of responsibility to stand up and fight for the best of who we are. And that fight will always include, as one of the highest priorities, our national security. And thinking about it in a way that we understand that we must be smart, we must understand the power that we have, the strength that we have, that is about military power, it is about diplomatic power, it is about the power that we have in terms of what has been, until recently, our moral authority in the world and our ability to work with our allies. I am a career prosecutor, as you said. My entire career has been focused on keeping people safe. It is probably one of the things that motivates me more than anything else. And when I look at this moment in time, I know that the American people deserve to have somebody who is going to fight for them, who is going to see them, who will hear them, who will care about them, who will be concerned about their experience, and put them in front of self-interest. 
you love this country, you also love your family. And for I people do. who do not know, your mother was born in India. Yes. Your father was born in Jamaica. That's and right. they met when they were both involved in the civil rights movement That's exactly uh, right. in California at Berkeley. That's and in right. fact, your mother met Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, she did. Cannot be lost that you're making the announcement on That's this right. day. Is that important to you? It is very important to me. You know, Dr. King. My parents were very active in the civil rights movement, and that's the language um, that I grew up hearing. And it was about a, a, a belief that we are a, a country that was founded on noble ideals. And we are the best of who we are when we fight to achieve those ideals. And the thing about Dr. King that always inspires me is he was aspirational. He was aspirational like our country is aspirational. We know that we've not yet reached those ideals, but our strength is that we fight to reach those ideals. And that inspires me, because it is true that we are a country that, we, yes, we are flawed, mm -hmm. we, we are not perfect, but we are a great country when we think about the principles upon which we're founded. And yes, so today, the day we celebrate Dr. King is a very special day for all of us as Americans, and, and I'm honored to be able to make my announcement on the day that we commemorate him. President Trump has already said he wants to run again in 2020. Uh, you sit on the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee. You've been looking at the Russia I I investigation. Right. Have you seen any evidence that President Trump has committed an impeachable offense? I cannot talk about the evidence that I've received in the Senate Intelligence Committee, but I will say that there is no question that Bob Mueller is conducting an investigation with the highest level of integrity. He is clearly taking the job very seriously. There have already been 33 indictments, and it is incumbent on the United States Congress to do everything in our power to ensure that his investigation is, is whole and will be complete without any interference. It sounds like you don't think William Barr, the president's nominee for attorney general, can oversee it in a fair manner. Well, you're right, and during the course of the questioning of him, because I sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, I expressed great concern, um, and I am very concerned that he was unwilling to agree that if the career people in the Department of Justice say he has a conflict and that he should recuse himself, he wasn't willing to agree that he would do that. We cannot... Uh, back to your point about my career, my entire career has been focused on our system of justice. It is one of the hallmarks of what gives us strength as a democracy. And it becomes weak when people interfere with that system for political purpose. And no one in particular, right now, when there are so many Americans that are distrustful of their government and its leaders and institutions, no one should give the American public any reason to question their integrity or the, the integrity of our that? system of justice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've had a long career, only two years in, in Washington, and the senior senator from your state of California says, while she adores you, mm -hmm. that she would support, if he should run, former Vice President Joe Biden. What do you say to people who, who feel that you, you don't have the necessary experience to be Commander-in-Chief? Well, first I'll say that I, they have a long-standing relationship. They, they go back Donald many, Trump. many years because their careers started yeah, together in yeah. Washington, D.C. So I don't, I, I'm not concerned about that. Um, it's a friendship and I respect that. Not. But um, let's like look at my experience. I have the unique experience of having been a leader in local government, state government, and federal government. What I believe the American people want and their next commander-in-chief is someone who has leadership skills, who has experience, and has integrity, and will fight on their behalf. And on all of those points, I feel very confident about my ability to, to, to lead. I feel very confident about my ability to listen 
and to work on behalf of the American public. The American public wants a fighter, and they want someone that's going to fight like heck for them and not fight based on self-interest. And been, I'm prepared to do that. Have you been listening when, when out on the book tour? And yeah. I'm sure the Americans are coming up and they're, and they're letting you know what is most important to, right. to them. What are you hearing from them? What I'm hearing from them is that they want to know that we're going to focus on the fact that right now this economy is not working for working people. They're going to want to know those 800,000 people who have dedicated themselves to public service, those federal employees, they're going to want to know we're not playing politics with their livelihood and their ability to pay rent at the end of the month. Because let me be clear, Robin, and you know this, those folks don't want a wall, they want a paycheck. And as leaders, we need to be able to give them some certainty that we understand what their lives are like. They've got to pay their bills. They've got to put food on the table. They've got to send their children to soccer practice and, and, and go to the, the tutor, and they've got to pay for that. Nobody's giving them a free ride. Nobody else that they require to help them is going to work for free. Why do we expect them to work for free? People want to know, and this is what I hear everywhere I go, that their leaders, and in particular their president, sees them and understands their needs. And right now there are a lot of working families in America whose needs are not being met. The cost of living is going up. Wages have remained stagnant for the most stagnant for the most part. I've met so many folks who are working two and three jobs to pay the bills. Nobody should have to work more than one job to be able to pay their rent. So there are a lot well, of issues that I hear when I travel this country, and I pre I'm prepared to, to discuss and listen more, and I'm prepared to lead. You also say you're prepared to speak the truth even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. One of those uncomfortable truths you speak for a lot of Democrats, you say the left has to get, get over its bias against law enforcement. What did you mean by that, and do you think that's going to be a problem for you in the Democratic primaries? I think it is, um, it is a false choice to suggest that communities don't want law enforcement. Um, most communities do. They don't want excessive force. They don't want racial profiling, but then nobody should. We can have a system that understands, and I know this in my career as a prosecutor, when I have fought in those courtrooms, it has been on behalf of sexual assault victims. It has been on behalf of students who were the, the victims of predatory for-profit colleges. It has been on behalf of homeowners who were the victims of predatory banking practices. People want that. They want to know that our laws will be enforced. And they also rightly should expect that we recognize our system of justice has been horribly flawed. And it needs to be reformed. We have a system of justice that has included systemic racism. We have a system of justice where a mother and father have to sit their child down, their son down, when he becomes a teenager and tell him that he may be stopped, he may be arrested, and he could be shot based on the color of his skin. There is a lot of work to do, but to suggest it's one or the other, no, I don't buy that. People want to know that they are safe in their communities. They want to know there will be consequence when a child is molested, a woman is raped, or somebody is killed. And they want to know that their law enforcement is going to conduct itself in a way that is fair and without bias and certainly without any hint in its system of racism. So there's work to be done. We're going to have to have you back along the trail. Yes. A lot more okay. questions yeah. to ask. A lot more. I'm Thanks ready. for coming in today. Thanks for sharing your announcement on GMA. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Welcome to the group. Thank everybody for staying for staying with you for so long, five years. Uh, uh, on internet radio, and it's been fun. It's been a gas. I've had a blast. 
every uh, every show that I do, every show that I give, guest or no guest, uh, it, it, it's it's as long as I know you out there listening, that's why I keep doing it. And I thank I want to thank everybody for most people. I want to thank most people for their um, I mean un for their kindness and the nice things that they say about the show, and the nice things they say about me, even if I'm not doing this show. And sometimes I wonder if I actually deserve it all. Um, uh, thanks anyway for, uh, I mean, I, people telling me it's uh, when they get to know me or when they talk to me, oh, it's an honor, George. It's an honor to be on your show. It's an honor to talk to you. It's a, ah, sometimes it gets boring, you know, <laughs> over and over again. Um, uh, five years, five years on the George Wilder Jr. show right here. No other radio show, no other website, no other internet right here. And I've had some great guests on the show. I've had, uh, and just about from every guest that appears on this show, I, I learned something. I learned something all the time, even though we may disagree, even though I've had guests on the show who, who I couldn't uh, uh, get uh, understand, but they were on the show and they offered their uh, opinion or their side to whatever they were presenting on my show. And, you know, I agree with it. I, I had one lady on my show. She was so nice and so beautiful. She was talking about the hereafter and, uh, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't then, and I still do not buy into that, but Hey, wow. She sounded, plausible she sounded as if she knew but you know uh everybody has their side to them everybody has a side to them and she had her side i have my side you have your side it doesn't mean that we're gonna always disagree and if if we do find common ground that's great that's beautiful anyway welcome to the george wilder jr show that was carmela harris she's running for president of the united states she you know so I'm hearing the Republicans already say, well, she wasn't born in America. Her parents weren't born in America. So that's going to be a driving force behind uh, the Republicans. But she, I think she does, and she looks like an African-American, and um, she carries herself like an African-American, and I'm pretty sure she identifies as an African-American. So, and a woman president would be so nice. I mean, I think a woman president would be awesome. Men have just fucked up everything. It's time to let the women control. Give the women control. Let's see what the women can do. Because I do think, I think that a lot of women have more balls and more guts than the men. The men have totally messed everything up. They are... Snibbling cowards, they're, they're, you know, let the women, let's see what the women can do, because the women have, the men have surely, surely, like George Carlin said, uh, the men, the late George Carlin, and I love him, uh, said that men have just screwed this up, and they have, especially Republican men, because every time a Republican takes over, if you think about it, and if you've been around, and, you, and if you, you've seen it, and you witnessed all of this. Um, uh, Republicans, whenever they held office on anything, they screwed it up. They screw it up. Democrats have to come in and straighten it all out. In the case of George W. Bush, Hillary Clinton, 
he screwed everything up. Everybody thought he was a stupid president until we got Trump. Okay? So I think it's time for women to control it all. Because men had it, they screwed it up. Basically, white men had this and screwed it up. Now, if you look at the uh, House of Representatives, it is so diversified. I mean, it is just so diversified. Some are everything. Uh, some of everyone with, from dis- different countries, different nationalities, uh, representing our government. You know, they're all American citizens, but you know they were born someplace else. Uh, but a lot of these women uh, uh, are so much smarter than the men. The men have screwed everything up. There's no doubt about it. They have screwed it all. Look where we are. We're in a shutdown. Think about it. Who caused it? Men. Who's keeping it shut down? Men. For some, you know, oblivious reasons. And I'm so afraid that the Democratic men are going to cave in and give in. But I'm glad that Nancy Pelosi is out there because she's standing firm. But the men are seeking a ways to give in to Donald Trump and the Republicans. I am not a Donald Trump fan. You may love him. You may care for him. You may think that everything, everything he's doing is great. I don't. Or everything he has done. I don't know. I don't. I mean, a lot of Americans do not. Do not. So I'm, I'm thrilled at uh, Kamala Harris running for president. I'm thrilled that Nancy Pelosi is set, is set in her ways, and she came out definitively. Trump, you will not speak. There will not be a State of the Union address next week, Tuesday, uh, uh January 29, 2019. Well, he dared, if you think about it, Trump, if you've been following this, Trump dared Nancy Pelosi not to let him speak, not to let him give a speech on the State of the Union next week. He dared her. He shouldn't have done that. He should not have done that. This is why I say I think women should be in control. Let the women have it because the men have screwed it all up. Corruption, colluding, lying, conning, lying in their pockets. The men have screwed this all up. And and the more and more I see the men in Congress, and whenever they're walking up to the camera to address the American public about Trump's shutdown and his bluff and his holding the Americans, uh, federal workers hostage to get some damn wall, they just, I, I don't know, except for Steny Hoyer. I mean, I like this guy, but some of the rest of them, they're just weak and, and they want to give Donald Trump what he wants. But they don't want it for um, – they don't want to give him $5.7 billion for a wall. They want to give him $5.7 billion for border security. I don't know if that makes sense. But anyway, Trump and, it, Trump and his team, they rejected it. They rejected it. 
Okay, Pelosi says no. As you know that Trump uh, wants to give this State of the Union. A lot of people feel he's going to lie. He's going to turn this State of the Union into a rally. He's going <laughs> to one of his rallies where he, you know, he instigates or or revs up hate and violence. So they nixed it. But the most important reason to why Nancy Pelosi nixed his State of the Union address because the because we're in a shutdown. It's his shutdown. Everybody knows it's his shutdown. For people to blame Democrats for this is stupid, ludicrous, and nutty. This is the Republican shutdown. Basically, specifically, Donald Trump's and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell had has the votes in Congress right now to override Donald Trump and open up the government, but he will not do it. There's protests out here right now in front of uh, um, Mitch McConnell's home, in front of his uh, uh, offices, you know, all over the place. They're in Mitch McConnell's ass to open up this the government. But he keeps saying he's not going to open up the government because he knows Donald Trump is not going to sign it. That's BS. The Senate is a independent chamber from the White House. In other words, they're all equal. So that's just an excuse that McConnell is giving to keep the, to keep the government shut down. Even though the people, the American people, I mean, they are really in McConnell's old ass. <coughs> people are starving. People want their checks. People want their jobs. That's one of the things you don't do. You don't fuck with people's money. You don't mess with their livelihoods. You don't screw with what makes them happy. They will vote your ass out. There's no way in the world, if Donald Trump makes it to 2020, which is next year, makes it to 2020, there's no way in the world he is going to be reelected. Even he should know that by now, and he's a total dumbass. Even he should know that. Anyway, Nancy Pelosi says no uh, to uh, the upcoming State of the Union address. And a lot of us are elated that she has. Trump is a bully. He's a thug. He's a con man. He's a traitor. He's a terrorist. I know some of you out there are laughing, but this is what this man is. And the latest news is that Michael Cohen, he's Michael Cohen, his um, former lawyer and fixer, will not testify uh, to Congress on. February 7th, because he is getting threats. His family is being threatened by Donald Trump. This, those are his words. But as we all know and been dealing and listening with Donald Trump over the years, the past few months, we know he's capable of doing that. Donald Trump was asked, he was asked if he sent threats, if he's been threatening Michael Cohen uh, uh, or, or obstructing justice as Michael Cohen was going to try to was going to uh, talk to Congress on the seventh. 
Donald Trump said, well, um, he deserved the threats. He deserved the threats. In other words, he was doing it. He, Donald Trump admitted that he was threatening Michael Cohen. He admitted it by saying that he, he doesn't know the truth. He can't stand the truth. But he never came out and said, no, I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, threaten him. This is what Donald Trump does when something is true. You ask him a direct question, a, a direct yes or no question. He goes all around it. What does that tell you? And knowing Donald Trump, the way he tweets and how he t- threatens people in his tweets, and he's threatened, he's threatened some of everybody you can think of. So when Cohen says that Michael, that when Michael Cohen says that Donald Trump threatened him, we're we are apt to believe that it's true. Uh, when we think about Donald Trump's track record of threatening people, period, especially in his tweets. He's threatened the media. He's threatened sports sports players. On and on and on and on. And his threats are in tweets. His threats are on video. So when, again, once again, when, when Michael Cohen say that, that Donald Trump uh, threatened him, and that's why he put off uh, the estate, I mean, not the State of the Union. I'm getting mixed up here. When he put off the uh, his his testimony to Congress, uh, he was doing it at the behest of his family. Because I'm thinking, actually, I, there is evidence and clips uh, where Donald Trump actually threatened his family uh, uh, once in the past, also. Also, and Donald Trump never denied that he did not threaten Cohen, not directly. So far, not directly. Um, yeah, so I think it happened. I think it happened. But the House of uh, Representatives say if Cohen does not uh, testify on the seventh in front of their in their chamber, they're going to subpoena him. So he would have no choice. But to testify because they want to hear this. They need to hear this. And if it sounds credible, they're going to start, they're going to launch an investigation into Donald Trump meddling because basically what Donald Trump is doing is obstructing justice once again. And Michael Korn will be going to prison in March. Yeah, he's going to prison in March. So he has. He has no uh, axe to grind. Only thing he has to do is tell the truth in front of uh, the American people. But no doubt about it, he must be subpoenaed. You know, subpoenaed means he will be made to appear, you know, because they want to hear this. I, I don't know why Congress have to hear more salacious uh, accusations about Donald Trump when we all know that this man is everything people say he is, if some if Trump has done something uh, uh, salacious, you you tend to believe it because he's done the, some of the same things in in his past life, you know. So we'll see where that goes. Anyway, Pelosi tells Trump no state of the union address in the house until government is open and i totally totally believe that open up the government i love that he will not be able to speak he may even if he tries to 
to bully his way into making this uh, speech, it's not going to happen because, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate, they have to sign a resolution saying that this is going to happen. They don't sign it. It can't happen. The House of Representatives belongs to Nancy Pelosi. It's her house. He just can't. <laughs> he just can't willy-nilly say, I'm going to make a speech anyway. You know, he can't do that. Now, Nancy Pelosi have, has told Trump that maybe he can, if he want to make the State of the Union address, if he still wants to make it on 29th um, of, of January, that he can do it from the Oval Office. Or he can write it, write a letter. I'm sure that pissed Trump off. I'm pretty sure that ripped another hole in his behind. Uh, anyway, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Wednesday rescinded her invitation to President Donald Trump to deliver the State of the Union address in the House next week in an escalating standoff between the two of the most powerful people on in the nation. Weeks into the longest government shutdown in history. Trump ignored Pelosi's suggestion that he reschedule. I mean, yeah, I don't know why he would ignore Nancy Pelosi telling him to reschedule. And she was right. I mean, the government is shut down. You will have, you will be less secure. You could be less protected. Oh, I'm not going to be protected. I'm going to be protected. Even, uh, I think uh, his national, his Homeland Security director said that uh, uh, everything was all right and that the, and that the um, speech should go on. But Nancy Pelosi said, no, 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 it's not going to happen as long as the government is shut down. I mean, she was just straight and forward, forward with Donald Trump. No gov- government shutdown, no speech, no speech. And I'm hearing that Trump may cave in. And then again, he may not, you know, because he loves seeing the he loves seeing the shutdown. Why? Because the federal courts are shutting down. The FBI is shutting down. And when you're shutting down the federal courts, you're shutting down the FBI. Trump is inadvertently sh- shutting down the investigations into himself. If the courts shut down if the prison shut down he won't be able to go the man knows what he's doing he's shutting down Mueller through this shutdown he's shutting down the special counsel Robert Mueller and his, and his investigations into Donald Trump with this shutdown this is, this is not about a wall Please stop saying that. Please stop uh, thinking that it is. This is not about a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. This is about shutting down all uh, investigations into Donald Trump. He's doing it. And this is all about power and control. It's not about a wall. So if you're thinking that this is about a wall, bullshit. If this was if this was about a wall, if this was about a wall, there would be one. There would be a wall being erected as I talk. This is not about a wall, and they know it's not about a wall. 
The Republicans know it's not about a wall. The Democrats, the independents know that this is not about a wall. This is about Donald Trump wanting to get his fucking way because he's a sniveling five-year-old child. If he can't get his way, he's going to wreck the government. He's going to tear down this country. This is not about a wall. This is about, as I've said, this is about wrecking, destroying America and destroying the investigation, the ongoing investigation into his crimes by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. And that's what it is. And getting back to Nancy Pelosi, I think she did a great thing. And and I'm hoping that she sticks to her guns and do not let this guy speak. If he tries to bogart his way into that chamber and give that State of the Union speech, I'm pretty sure she can have him arrested. (laughs) And she will. She can have him arrested. So I don't think he's going to bogart his way. What I think... Donald Trump is going to be giving this speech from the Oval Office. That's his best bet because I'm hearing that Donald Trump and his team at this moment, they're looking for uh, uh, places where they can give the speech. Uh, that's, that's what I'm hearing. They're looking for places that they can give the speech. You know, So it could be the Oval Office. It could be somewhere else, but it will not be <laughs> – in the uh, uh, House of Representatives. It will not be there. So Trump has to be embarrassed about that. He has to be very, very embarrassed about that. And uh, I agree with Nancy. I, I, I think that America agrees with Nancy, or, or, and I think that the world agrees with Nancy. This, this shutdown belongs to Donald Trump and no one else. If they try to blame Democrats, it's a bald-faced lie. Mitch McConnell loved to blame Democrats for everything. But the thing about this, the thing about Trump and McConnell blaming Democrats, it's not flying with most of the public. 57 to 60% of Americans say the shutdown belongs to Donald Trump, and it does. It should be higher than that. Overwhelmingly, a lot of Americans who feel that this shutdown belongs to Donald Trump, and it does. And all he has to do is open up, open back up the government, open the government. He won't do it because if he opens the government, that means more money for the federal courts. They can continue their investigations into his crimes. Trump always has acted like a guilty son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, he's one of those criminals that you can you will see on late night television. Um, you can compare him with a lot of a lot of criminals that are just dumb, dumb criminals. Uh, if you, uh, he's not a smart criminal because if he was a smart criminal. Yeah, uh, we probably wouldn't know as much as we know now. Donald Donald Trump, in some ways, have incriminated himself. That's one of the reasons why his team do not want him to sit down with Robert Mueller because they're afraid that Donald Trump will lie through his teeth and lying to the FBI. That's 
that's perjury. I mean, he could go to jail for that. But Donald Trump incriminates himself. There's no doubt about that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And thanks, folks, for uh, sticking with me for five years. And I thank everybody for uh, their adulation of the show. We're gonna try try to go on as as long as we can. Uh, we're on four days a week. If I decide I want to come on, we're on four days a week, and we the show starts at six o'clock uh, Central Standard Time, six o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time in Chicago, out of Chicago, and this is Block Talk Radio, and this is the George Wilder Jr. Show.
lawsuits are piling up right now against the Trump administration and the bosses who are currently forcing their employees to work without pay. Now, these are the furloughed government workers who have been affected by this partial government shutdown who are being coerced and forced to work their current jobs without pay. Now, again, this does not cover all of the 800,000 furloughed workers. Some of them were immediately just sent home, deemed, quote, non-essential. But those essential folks, the people who the government can't function without, those are the ones who are told, if you don't show up, you are fired. And when you do show up, do not expect to get paid for the time that you're working. And according to the latest lawsuit, this is a clear violation of the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery here in the United States. A group of federal workers is now suing the Trump administration and the people that they work for within the federal government for forcing them to work without pay, which they say in the lawsuit, the argument is that this amounts to involuntary servitude to their employer because again their employers have issued warnings if you don't come in if you call out sick don't ever come back because you're fired so they are forcing these people to go into work they know that these people will not be paid for the work that they are performing and that is what spawned this particular lawsuit so far this one is the only lawsuit to invoke the 13th Amendment argument. And to be honest, that's going to be a very difficult one to prove as the Supreme Court back in 1988 actually ruled that forcing uh, mentally ill people in the United States to work without pay uh, did not violate the 13th Amendment even though the people were threatened with if you work, uh, either you work without pay or we put you in a mental institution because you're mentally ill. That somehow didn't violate the 13th Amendment, so these workers have a, a very tall uphill battle ahead of them um, that they likely may not win at this case. However, there are plenty of other lawsuits right now that are pretty much 100% going to be successful brought by furloughed federal workers who are working without pay. Obviously, this does violate wage and hour laws here in the United States. It's happened during every other government shutdown and pretty much every other time the furloughed workers who worked without pay have been successful. In fact, so successful that the government actually has a fund set up that is designed to pay out these lawsuits brought by furloughed federal workers because they know they're going to lose and they want to have this pot of money ready to go when the lawsuits inevitably come. But this one, however, about the 13th Amendment is special. Again, the only one to invoke, invoke the 13th Amendment, but also because if it's successful, this would effectively ban any furloughed worker, essential or non-essential, from being able to work during a government shutdown, which means... Again, if this lawsuit were to be successful, the next time the government shuts down, there's no TSA. None. Without TSA, would there still be air travel here in the United States? There'd be nobody to monitor security. Would planes still be able to fly? Would people still be able to get a flight and go somewhere? Unlikely, given what happened before the TSA existed. So that means that if we have another government shutdown, 
Airports across the country might shut down. Air travel may suddenly stop in this country. Food inspections, safety inspections, health inspections, work, workplace inspections, all of that would end. The federal court system would also shut down. No more lawsuits, no more criminal cases. Prison workers would be forced to go home because they're essential yet furloughed in many areas, not all of them, but many. The entire country would grind to a halt if this lawsuit is successful the next time there's a government shutdown. And that's why this one is so important. And I hope it succeeds. I hope it does. Because that may be... Here's an issue that I don't believe is getting enough attention from the media in the United States today. And that is the impact that this government shutdown is having on the government workers who are either working without a paycheck or not working and still also not getting paid. In the last couple weeks alone, more than 4,000 furloughed government workers who are not receiving a paycheck have applied for unemployment. They have had to go to the unemployment offices trying to get temporary aid so that they can continue to pay their bills because they have no idea when this government shutdown is going to end. Thousands of new people just in the last two weeks applying for unemployment assistance because of the government shutdown. That puts an enormous strain on a system that is already strained because Republicans have tried to cut the funding and change the rules for it. And now we're going to strain it even more because of Donald Trump's temper tantrum. And that's just the beginning. Another very serious problem we have as a result of this government shutdown are the massive number of TSA agents here in the United States who continue to call in sick because they're among those who still have to work but aren't going to be paid for it. So the call-out rate for TSA agents across this country is increasing every day, which means we're basically having to pull in the second string. Or we're having to operate with fewer TSA agents which, number one, obviously means the inspections are not as thorough as they should be. And two, passengers are having to wait longer times just to get through airport security because there's not enough people staffing them. This impacts the airlines. It impacts air travel in general. It hurts the overall economy. Everything is connected in this economy today, and the president doesn't seem to understand that. And again, gets worse from there. We have food stamp funding that is likely to run out in the month of February. Now, the Trump administration has told us they're absolutely going to find the money to continue funding that. But considering the fact that Republicans have made it their platform for the last several decades to say we need to cut food stamp funding, it's incredibly unlikely that this administration is going to scrape up the change needed to get those people their food stamp checks. So... Once that happens, once again, we're dealing with a situation where there's less money flowing through local economies, even if it is coming from the EBT, the food stamp program, whatever it is. What's even worse than economic pain is the physical pain that the people are going to go through because suddenly they can't buy food. Their kids aren't eating. They're trying to scrape by and do whatever they can. And now they're just in a situation where, oh, well, 
Donald Trump's angry now and the government's not open to send you your food stamps. Uh, federal scientists are missing conferences. Um, national parks losing money and they're piling up with garbage right now. I'm sure everybody's seen the pictures floating around of just these massive piles of garbage in federal parks and national parks because there's nobody there to even change the trash cans. Um, disaster aid, another one, being delayed for areas of this country. Florida, the Carolinas, California, Colorado, places that have been ravaged by floods, hurricanes, fires, and all sorts of natural disasters. We're not able to send the aid out to continue helping these communities so people aren't able to put their lives back together again because of the government shutdown. The list goes on and on. Politico actually did a decent job of putting together a good list of all the different areas that are being affected by this. And every single one of them is connected to something else in this economy, which is again connected to something else. But more importantly than that, than the ripple effects of the economy, which could tank very quickly if this shutdown continues, it's the human cost. Yeah, I The people agree. not getting their food stamps, the people not getting the disaster aid, the people not getting their paychecks yet still being required to go to work, which means they also still have to pay childcare costs and they have no idea how they're going to do that. People yeah. are suffering because of this. This is now the third longest yeah. government shutdown we've ever had That's in this country. And if it goes on much longer, it's going to go even higher than that. Hey everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
former chief of staff, John Kelly, is even coming out, lashing out at Donald Trump. Open up the government. His chief of staff saying open up the government. Republicans, some of the Republicans in the Senate saying open up the government. So Mitch McConnell has no uh, reason not to open up, up the government. If he decides to bring it to a vote on the floor, we'll have our government back. But he will not do it. He's He's scared shitless of Donald Trump. I mean, he is really scared. The man is a coward. Um, He has the votes. The votes are there in Congress right now, and they always have been, to override Donald Trump and open back up the government, get people back to work, get people there back. They're going to – I mean, once they get that back pay, they're going to be loaded. (laughs) But, you know, at that time, will they still have a house? Will they still have an apartment? Because they're going to be so fucking far behind in their mortgages and their rent payments and their car payments uh, that they may have to start from scratch. You know, because a lot of uh, uh, places like uh, landlords and banks and and, um, car dealers are giving these furloughed employees, these Employees who are not getting paid, they're giving them a, a, a few days or a week to come up with a payment or they're going to lose everything. And there's no doubt about it. The longer this crazy, senseless shutdown go on, people are going to be really, really hurt. Yeah, food stamps, that's going to be delayed. Uh Republicans have been trying to get rid of food stamps, SNAPs, uh, for decades. I'm pretty sure they don't give a damn about people starving or their kids starving. They don't care. Uh, they just don't care if people lose if people lose their homes, people lose their apartments or or their shelter. They don't they don't give a fuck because why? They're rich, and a lot of other people do not care about and I'm talking about Americans just ordinary Americans uh, grassroots Americans some of them don't about other people losing everything you know because I've, I've talked to some of them I've seen some of them well people are losing their rental assistance who cares let them get a job to hell with them <laughs> people are not going to be getting food stamps to hell let them starve get a, let them get a job but they're kids I don't give a damn you know this is this is some of the ire that people have against people who are on government government assistance. Um, not some not through no fault of their own. There, are, I have to admit, I do think that there are a lot of people on government assistance that should be out looking for a job or having a job. You know, especially people who are twenty and thirty and forty, people who are. People who are in great shape <laughs> uh, should be getting jobs. They shouldn't be laying up on, on someone else, or they shouldn't be asking the government for this or that. But I, I'm more talking about those people who can't do nothing. 
they can't move. They, they they can't work because they have some sort of physical uh, dismemberment, or they're in a wheelchair, or they have some sort of mental. They're mentally incapable. You know, I can see those kinds of people getting rental assistance and getting food stamps. Even and some people who are getting food stamps, they're over sixty-five, over sixty-six. Uh, they're they're retired. Uh, you you could kind of see that, but to have people who are young, bright, intelligent, smart, sitting around, laying around, getting fat on government assistance, it's just not fair. It's not fair for the rest of the people who are out there busting their asses, uh, uh, working for what they want. But there are too many people who are making fun of other people who are working, who are working for a living to get what they want and they're making fun of those people because they're working for 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 what they uh, want in life and these people are just laying up on their asses on government assistance and doing nothing but you know they're feeling good about it <laughs> they're feeling good about it and I, I've seen this I've seen I said wow and some of these people on government assistance, I mean, when you talk about housing, some of the uh, people on, who are getting rental assistance, you, go, you walk inside their apartment, and it's like you're walking inside a castle. I mean, it is so beautiful. It is so clean. It is so uh, miraculous, miraculously marvelous. They have some of the greatest-looking apartments, and they're on government assistance. I I was working for this um, company once, this agency once, and the government was paying for people to stay in condos, condos, and a lot of us were saying, wow, <laughs> why can't we do that? Why can't the government pay for us to live in condos? I'm pretty sure by now that person who who was living in those condos on, on governmental assistance, they're out now. I would think so. But anyway, um, when you talk about rental assistance, you're basically talking about poor people who can't find a job, who won't find a job, who lie and say they won't find a job. But uh, I do think a lot of those folks that are getting rental assistance should, if they're capable of working, they should work. They should not sit around on their asses getting governmental benefits and then mocking someone else who has a job. I I I I really am against that. I can't say that happens uh with everybody. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But there are some people out there who just take advantage of the government, take advantage of the taxpayer and and laugh at the rest of us who are working. We have to work for our money. They get free money. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. No, it's not fair, especially when they are a lot younger than you are, a lot stronger, a lot, a lot more capable. They should not be getting food stamps. Uh, so that has to be fixed. But it's not like I'm against food stamps. No way. I'm just against food stamps and rental assistance going to people who are able-bodied to get up, get out, and find a job. And get off the government dole. Get off 
the taxpayer dime. That's about it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm on Facebook now. Uh, a lot of things on Facebook that's going on. I mean, a lot of people on Facebook, uh, they really make their thoughts <laughs> known when it comes to Donald Trump. I mean, I wonder if Donald Trump ever, ever actually uh, <laughs> goes on Facebook. I think he does. I think he does because because at one time, Donald Trump stated that he was coming after his Facebook critics. He was coming after us, right? <laughs> he didn't like that crap. But uh, uh, And we were saying, uh, bring it on. Come on, Donald Trump. He was coming at – you know how Donald Trump likes to criticize his critics like to try to threaten his critics. Uh, he was coming coming after us, just like he was. He comes after. He goes after. Pardon me. He goes after those folks from from uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> William Baldwin, Adam, what's his name? Um, yeah, Baldwin, who who uh, portrays him on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> He wants to take away their credentials. I mean, he wants to take away CNN credentials. Remember that? He wanted to take away CNN's credentials. And CNN stood up to him, stood up to him. And when they stood up, he backed down. He backed down. Remember when he was talking about uh, taking uh, uh, credentials? From former uh, uh, p- politicians who were part of Obama's uh, administration, he was he, he was out to take their uh, security clearances. Yeah, so he did take John Berman's security clearance, but he threatened to take a lot of a lot others, and that didn't happen. That's one of the things Donald Trump does. He threatened to do a lot of things, but in the end, he does nothing. For example, he threatens to sue people for maybe writing a book that he didn't like. He threatens to sue. Or he threatens to sue Saturday Night Live, who portrays him as an idiot. He threatens people. He threatens, threatens, threats. He always threatens. But in the long but in the long run, he never does anything. Remember all of these lawsuits? I'm hearing right now that Donald Trump has 33 investigations against him. They are piling up. The last time I was on the radio here, he had 17. Now he has 33. So why does it seem that these lawsuits uh, uh, against Donald Trump, why does it seem that they never get anywhere? A lot of people are speculating, say, hey, wow, because he threatens them, he buys them off, you know, he twists their arms with money. Because, I mean, I was thinking that Donald Trump was going to end up in court last year with so much shit swirling around him. And I was saying to someone, um, why does it seem as if none of this bothers him. You would think a lot of this stuff that's swirling around Donald Trump would stress him out. And we know stress can be deadly. Uh, Someone told me, she said, um, the reason why all of this 
garbage that's swirling around Donald Trump doesn't bother him because he's a narcissist. He has no empathy. He has no feelings. He doesn't care. You know, Donald Trump hears things and then he doesn't hear a thing. You know, he's a narcissist. He has no empathy. He, he has no, no ability to care for people or to care about anything. And that's reality. Donald Trump doesn't care for anything. He doesn't care what we think. He doesn't care what we write. He doesn't care what we say. He doesn't. He doesn't care if you are loyal to him. He doesn't care if you are a supporter. He's going to treat you the same way he treats his enemies. And that's why so many of Donald Trump's reporters, I mean, excuse me, supporters are drifting away from him. They are drifting away. They are voicing uh, their displeasure with Donald Trump. They are. I know there's some people out there who uh, they don't care what he does. He is not a great man. He's one of the worst human beings ever lived. He's not a great man. I've heard people say, well, Donald Trump is great. Donald Trump is not great. He's great. Something's wrong with you. If we were, because you have so many people with their blinders on. They've got their heads in the sand, refusing to, to see and speak the obvious. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're going to take a, uh, a break and come right back. Let's see here. Let's go with this one. We'll be right back. So there's been a lot of talk today, obviously, about uh, Rashida Tlaib's uh, statement, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. That is what she said on Thursday, you know, kind of coming off this high of being sworn in, wanting to go after the Donald Trump, chomping at the bit to get started at her new job in general. And she said this thing, the right is attacking her, the left is attacking her because that kind of crass language can't stand. Oh my God, we can't do that. Well, guess what? I have no problem with what she said. I have no problem with her attitude, with her language, with her personality. I think, hell yeah. Come into the office with a little bit of enthusiasm and willingness to actually do your job. Because believe it or not, holding the president accountable is part of the job of Congress. So she seems right on par with where she should be. Should she have used that language? Who cares? Like if your problem is the language that she used, then you personally have bigger problems that you need to go deal with if you can't help hearing that. Hell, walk down the street these days, folks, you're gonna hear it. Any movie you watch, you're gonna hear it. Relax, it's just a word. It's just a word, a series of letters that make a certain sound. And if that offends you, then that's your problem, not hers. But anyway, I bring that up because Donald Trump decided to get in on the action. He wasn't happy about Democrats talking impeachment. Hell, we had a, a Democratic Representative Brad Sherman. He's already introduced articles of impeachment on day one. So Trump feels the heat. He understands impeachment could be right around the corner. They seem very willing to do it on the Democratic side. At least a few of them do. So Friday morning, to get back to the main point here, Friday morning, Trump tweets out the following. 
How do you impeach a president who has won perhaps the greatest election of all time? Done nothing wrong, no collusion with Russia, it was the Dems that colluded. Had the most successful first two years of any president and is the most popular Republican in party history, 93%. Literally everything that man just said in that tweet is a lie. Literally everything can be proven to be false that he said in that tweet. Starting with the fact that he's actually never hit a 93% approval rating, according to Gallup, among Republicans. His highest was 91%, which he hit uh, right at the time of the midterms uh, two months ago. His approval rating right now, again, according to Gallup, is 89% among Republicans. And that is actually of this week, as of this week. Um, so the 93%, not true, accomplished more than any Repub uh, president in the first two years in history, that's also not true. In fact, according to executive orders he's issued and laws that he's signed, he's actually done the least among any modern president. Done the least. Th those are verifiable things that this moron suddenly doesn't or, or doesn't seem to understand. We can look up. We can see that. Those are quantifiable. It's, it's not, you know, questionable. It's not, well, my opinion. No! You can look up and see what he's signed and compared what other presidents have signed. Quantifiable, ladies and gentlemen. But let's get to the heart of the matter, right? Can't impeach me. I, I've won an election. No. No, you didn't. You technically did not. You won the electoral college vote. You lost the popular vote by three million, so you've spent the last two years trying to tell us that five million illegal aliens voted in that election. You set up a task force to find voter fraud. They couldn't find a damn instance of it. And so here we are. And more importantly, you could have won the presidency by getting every single person in this country to vote for you. Your approval rating could be 100%. And none of that would say that you couldn't be impeached. Nothing that this man said in this tweet is related to the other thing. And nothing that he said was truthful. This is a very scared, terrified, and demented human being serving as the President of the United States right now. A lot of us, I think the latest polls show at least half of us, those numbers might have gone up a little bit in the last week or two, want to see this man removed from office. So yeah, Rashida Tlaib was 100% correct with her enthusiasm, with her language, and with her willingness to go forward with it. The only issue I have is that it's not time yet. We will get... Richard Pryor. On the 31st of August, 1964... Pryor made his television debut on Rudy Valley's summer variety show on Broadway Tonight. Uh, I'm going to tell you a few things about myself, because a lot of you probably don't know me. I'm not a New Yorker. My home's in Peoria, Illinois. And, uh... <laughs> okay. I'm from an average-type family. Eleven kids. No mother father, just kids. When I was young, I used to think my people didn't like me, because they used to send me to store for bread, then they'd move. I noticed when I was young, like, my people, if they didn't want to holler at you, they'd make a funny move with their body. You ever had your parents do this? If you're doing something wrong, they'd look at you and go... <laughs> and I, I had a wild neighborhood, I got to tell you, because uh, my mother's Puerto Rican and my father's Negro, and we lived in a real big Jewish tenement building. 
in an Italian neighborhood. Every time I go outside, the kids say, Get him! He's all of them! Sometimes pain is funny later on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like when I was in jail, I was in jail for income tax evasion. When? Uh, last year. How much time did you get? I, I, I got enough. Because <laughs> I told the judge, I said, I forgot about my taxes. He said, you remember next year, nigga? What you taking my picture for? <laughs> Who are you going to show it to? <laughs> they say, I got a picture of Richard Pryor. He kills the fuck. And just to get in the ring with a nigga, your heart go, <laughs> No, because something makes you say, you know, I'm in this motherfucking ring and shit. And does everybody know this is for fun? <laughs> you know, because the nigga be fucking with you, right? As soon as you get in the ring, I'll be talking about. Till they coming back. That's all you see right in your mind. Be saying, wait a minute now. There was some shit in my face a minute ago. I know that. <laughs> Ali came out, man. He threw about eight punches, about a quarter inch from my nose. He said, I said, shit. And I was happy to be in the ring with the champ. You know what I mean? It was really nice. But my mind kept saying, I said, what happened if this nigga had one of them Joe Frazier flashbacks? You know what I mean, Michael? Round 11, Joe Frazier. And I, it give me brain damage for life, right? I mean, uh -huh. 
technical difficulties, we cannot continue to bring you the audio portion of the Richard Pryor Show.
before, folks, I think women will do a lot better job in Congress or or in any place else around the world, around America, than men. Men have screwed this up. Men have, especially old white men, okay? That's not a racist um, remark. It's, it's, it's fact. I mean, look at Congress. Look at who's uh, responsible for the shutdown, you know? Uh, so, Women, I think I'm I'm endorsing women to uh, take control of this country, take it from the hands of these inept men. Okay, uh, uh, not because I, uh, you know, I, I'm not doing this because just to give uh, the women in Congress, the new women, the new representatives in the House of Representatives. Uh, uh, substance over men, but uh, men have just done a shoddy job. What can I say? Men have 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 destroyed just about destroyed the country. Maybe it's going to take women to bring it back. Okay. Uh, to recap, uh, some of the things that I've uh, mentioned on the show. Um, Nancy Pelosi saying no goal for the State of the Union. Uh, address for Donald Trump. I'm sure he's very pissed about that, but it's nothing he can do because these are co-equal branches of government. They just, they have the equal amount of power. Donald Trump is pissed off at that. He's also pissed off that the Republicans do not control the House of Representatives. They were voted out a few months ago uh, uh, during the uh, blue wave. So Trump has a new reality and it's and he's waking up to a nightmare because he knows that he's not going to be the dictator that he thought he was going to be. He's not a great president. He's one of the worst presidents in the history of this country. And don't let anybody else tell you that, uh, that he is. You know, they're on the wrong side of this. Um, uh, and I hope that the women... Uh, uh, Divide and conquer. Bring this country back together. 
This is a divided country. Probably three or four different ways it's divided. It's cut up like a piece of pie. This, these people over here, people over here, and these folks are standing over there. It's a divided country. We need to come together. We need somebody that's going to bring this country together as one. We need to get back on the world stage. We are, we, we are, need, we are not – America is not even among the five best countries in the world. We're way down there, prob- probably number 15. We are not one of the five best countries in the world, if you, if you saw that survey. We have to bring America back from the brink, and it may take women to do this because men are just weak-kneed, spineless liars, and men are thinking about money. Okay? This is why so many Republicans in Congress are in the pockets of Russia. Men. White men, if you want to be specific. So we need women. We need a uh, coalition of diversity, and that's what we have in Congress, diversity. And just about every last one of them will be in Trump's butt until he's out of there. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. I want to thank those folks who have given me high marks for the show. It's well, it's been tough, but I do um, uh, feel as though I've uh, come a long way on the show. All right, you've been listening to the show. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go off now, and uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow, same time, same place, same topic. It's always gonna be about opening up the government, and this show is uh, going to be dedicated in trying. To help or or to give these folks some kind of ideas into opening up the government for the American people for the American people, Trump is not going to open up the government if if there's any sign of the government uh, opening, it will have to come through Mitch McConnell uh, to bring a vote to the floor and see and see how fast the government is opening op- Excuse me. See how fast the government is opened back up. It's going to take Mitch McConnell. I don't think it's going to take Donald Trump because he's entrenched in his hatred for America. The only person I think from another country that I know of who is proud of this shutdown, and that's Russia, Vladimir Putin. He's proud because most of the things that Donald Trump does to destroy America is in the name of Putin. There is no doubt about that. And there was a report out a few days ago that Donald Trump may be an agent for Russia. He may have worked for Russia. A lot of Americans are saying, yeah, he did. (laughs) We believe it. (laughs) I believe it too. I believe he's worked for Russia too because uh, his behavior, the things he's done, the things he's, he's accused of, and there's plenty of proof of, I think Donald Trump is a Russian spy. I think uh, Vladimir Putin has so much on him, and Mike Pence and Mitch McConnell, 
they have to keep the government shut down for a little while longer or never open it back up again because Putin is sitting in Russia somewhere in his palace laughing and grinning at America because he feels that he has played a part in the downfall, which he has. And that downfall that he's played a part in has been through Donald Trump. All right, bye-bye, everybody.